everybody. Hi, guys. Well, from gorgeous Salt Lake City, Utah, it's Think God I'm Atheist, the podcast. I'm Frank Feldman. And I'm Dan Beecher. And coming up on the show today, we needed to talk to a voice of reason. So we brought uh, Andrew Seidel on of the Freedom From Religion Foundation. He's a super smarty pants is what he is. <laughs> had a lovely conversation. So yeah, um, so that, that's, that's wonderful. That's coming up on the second half Yeah, not to be missed. That one's a good show. one. Um, and then uh, before we get to that, of course, we talk a lot about the news and Dan... I guess we should yeah. probably set some context here Ugh. for like where we're at yeah. in this moment. It we are recording on Thursday, right? Yeah. That's kind of our. Do you guys normal... remember Thursday? <laughs> it, to you, it will feel like it was six months ago. Oh golly, yeah. But uh, currently, uh, we cannot talk about who won the the presidential election here in these United right. States because and I really hope that by Saturday this is just resolved. It may not be. It may not Probably be. It could, be. This could be a months long thing. It just kind of depends on how things shake out uh, in a few of the states here. Yeah. But hopefully but, we have uh, a good sense of it. So if anything seems sort of um, um, like we're like we don't know yet, it's because we don't know. Yeah. If we're missing anything <laughs> from the show, uh, <clears throat> just shut up. We, you know things we, we don't know. know. Yeah. We don't know yet. All There's right, a guys. time problem here. <laughs> but. One thing that we do know, Dan, and it, yeah. it honestly, truly was, I mean, we there was this whole, like, presidential election thing. Um, yes, I remember it happened. The, I mean, that that was happening um, this this week. But the thing that I was really tuning into to election coverage for was to find out what happened in Mississippi with regards oh, to their yes. flag. This was a we talked about this a, like quite a lot on the show as uh, as uh, during um, I guess it was really in in the wake of uh, George Floyd um, his his murder um, yeah. by the hands of the police um, it caused a discussion uh, in Mississippi because of all the protests that were happening and the the, dis the discussion around race that we, we've been having um, yeah it turns out racism is kind of bad yeah and so and, uh, somebody told mississippi <laughs> about it uh the the good folk down in mississippi decided that it was time to maybe address the fact that their state flag uh was you know the 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 confederate battle flag the stars was, was adorned with a hate symbol yeah yes um and so they they moved fairly quickly to uh, remove the flag from state buildings. Um, I guess maybe not as quickly as they could have or should have. Actually, they, they should have done this a long time ago. So there's that. Um, but then they uh, got it onto the ballot this year to uh, approve a new design for, for the state flag. And it went through a little bit of a process. Uh, they actually had thousands of entries uh, from a, yeah. a, a, they held, held a statewide uh, contest to redesign the flag. Only and only two rules, as I recall. Yeah, the, there well, was it had to have uh, the the phrase "In God We Trust" on yeah. it. And I actually, Which, what was the other rule? I don't remember the other rule. Uh, n no Confederate flags. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, the Confederate flag had to go away. Yeah, you um, gotta not have the Confederate flag, <laughs> and you have to say Jesus on it. Yeah, which is really disappointing. 
Um, but they uh, went through a nine-person commission to uh, kind of narrow down the choices. They picked uh, a flag that features uh, the state flower, and it actually is not horrible. Um, it's actually not a bad-looking flag that they they settled on. There, no, I, I would omit right. obviously the "In God We Trust." That is problematic. Right. And then there, uh, there's like a ring of stars. So it's a ring of stars and the phrase "In God We Trust" that's around this uh, magnolia that's in the center of the flag. And to be honest, I would just omit that entire circle thing and just make the magnolia just slightly bigger and i think they 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 landed on a they would have landed on a gorgeous design um or at least a very nice design and uh but vexo vexillologically it's it, not bad it's not bad yeah it could be worse it it could be way worse <laughs> um salt lake city just adopted a flag that i'm not a super big fan of yeah. um but it follows all the vexillological rules <laughs> and uh but anyway um yeah so the and it passed um with, by a pretty good margin this whole thing which i don't know i don't know if the 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 thing was um adopt a new flag or go back to the old one i don't know that it was pre- <laughs> i don't know what would happen if this thing had, right? had failed um yeah. but nonetheless it was a, a, a lot uh, the, the the large majority of the state uh, approved it and i think that's a really good sign for mississippi they were the last state to have um the the confederates flag as part of their flag Miss, right. uh, georgia got rid of uh their problematic flag in 2001 um, okay and so yeah it'd been quite a while mississippi but you got on the good side of this in one way and then you fucked it up in another so yeah well that's a that's a fight for another time i guess uh <laughs> We'll uh, we'll work on that one. Yeah. I oh. to be honest, I'm I'm so happy that the the stars and bars are gone from their yeah. flag. That that there's this this there. I'm annoyed by the in God we trust, but it it feels like you know in God it's like on our money, and it's like we just need to solve the problem across the board in this yeah. country with that phrase. Um, and so it it it, it offends me far less then that fucking oh, racist flag offended me. This is such a huge improvement. Like so 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 much better. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm I'm down with it. I'm not going to be mad about it. Uh I'm slightly mad about it, but but I I'm mean, not nobody's driving past it and and it and thinking about, you know, their relatives being lynched or whatever. So yeah, as far better. as I'm concerned, that's an improvement. Vast improvement. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we'll talk later in the show with Andrew Seidel about the Supreme Court, uh, our current Supreme Court, which uh, now that Amy Coney Barrett is a member of, is basically a, uh, a theological nightmare. Yeah. Um, it is, it, it's majority Catholic and majority people who think that they should put their faith above the law. Yeah, uh, which is ugly. And one of the first things uh, that we've gotten to see this court look at is a uh, is is a a case called Fulton versus Pennsylvania. Sorry, Philadelphia, uh, Fulton versus Philadelphia. And uh, this is a case which basically uh, 
is going to go badly. Uh, mm. the, the, the crux of the case is that a group called Catholic Social Services, uh, which does adoptions, uh, basically didn't want to give children to gay couples. Uh, right. They are ugly like that. And so the city of Philadelphia said, mm, we're going to stop funding you then because we don't like uh, when you're discriminatory. Right. And they said, but we do like when we're discriminatory. And now you're discriminating against us for discriminating. <laughs> and that's what's going to hit. That's what hit the court uh, this week. Uh, we won't have an, uh, you know, a, a ruling for a little minute, but it's not going to be good. Um, as as Andrew Seidel told us off the air, uh, <laughs> there's uh, Amy Coney Barrett managed to bring up abortion in a case about adoption. Jesus, how the fuck did she do that? She is she. I'm pretty she, sure be, that she she's really good, right? Yeah, that's that's how she did it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the only way she can orgasm at this point is to say the word adoption or abortion rather when uh, <laughs> right at the moment. She's uh, she's gunning for it is is what we're, is what we're saying. Anyway, uh, so oh, God damn. that's a uh, that's that's a fun little thing. We will watch it play out, but uh, fully expect that uh, you know with sixty six percent of our justices being conservative Catholics, it's not going to be good. So you're saying uh, I should go adopt right now. I'm saying, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, actually I should just stop being gay right now. I think that's the, <laughs> you know what we haven't done by the way. What's that? I'm going to interrupt. I'm interrupting our news section of oh my, the TGIA this is, this is highly podcast. irregular, Dan. I am. It, You're it is breaking irregular. the rules. You're breaking the rules. I am breaking rules. all the rules because we need to talk about something, <laughs> which is that before this crazy Supreme Court overturns Obergefell and takes away the rights of gay people to marry each other, uh, what have you done, Franklin? I, I got married. You went out and got married. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Thank you. That's Thank amazing. You. Yeah, I mean, I... it's not amazing. People do it every day. It's not hard. <laughs> no, it, but... it was shockingly not hard. Like, yeah. super easy. But we made it a lot easier for ourselves uh, by uh, driving over to Colorado, which has the easiest, easiest way or uh, uh, process to get married. Yeah. So If you are looking for an elopement... Look oh, no further, to my friends. Totally, no. Yeah, it was it was super duper easy. You don't need witnesses. You don't have to have an officiant. You just sign and you're done. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was great. We had a nice little weekend. Um, I love it, and we got married. So um, yeah. So so <laughs> if if they if they do overturn a Burgerfeld, they'll have to deal with your marriage now. Yeah, and you know that's you know they would have a lot of other ones to deal with and figure yeah. out how they're going to handle that but um or how they would handle that hopefully it never comes to that um but um yeah they'll have to deal with 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 me now so yeah well and and if you want to adopt don't go to a catholic agency as a matter of fact <laughs> hey everybody if you want to adopt don't go to a catholic agency yeah it's pretty fuck them yeah absolutely if you can if you can avoid it i mean they do have the best it 
babies, but shut um, up. <laughs> the best babies. The selection is remarkable. Babies. Really? Yeah. Like, oh, have you have you oh, taken the, your the shopping cart catalog, down the, the aisles? Because it's just you know. Well, no, it's COVID. I I ordered the oh, catalog. Sure. Um, and the, it's just wow. They've got all of them. They've got it, every they, type, basically everything you can um, imagine. Every oh my god, I was about to make every flavor, every. Flavor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh golly, Dan. Well, I'm so not... congrats. Thank you. Congrats on your marriage. Thanks, That's, yeah. Um, I have a story here, Dan, about yeah. um, what's well, kind of a little bit of a staycation type Whoa. type idea. Uh, okay. th- there's this trend right now that's happening. I had not heard of this, but they're called flights to nowhere. Have you heard of this? No. Flights to nowhere. It's um, they're being offered all over the place as a means to give the local uh, airline industry a little bit of business, and okay. you take off from your local <laughs> airport and you land. At your local airport. Um, <laughs> you get all the excitement of, of international travel um, without actually going anywhere. Wow. Um, it, it's it's jet setting uh, without any uh, greater purpose yeah, than that. Yeah. The, uh, in Australia, there was a seven-hour flight that was offered um, over some of the country's most iconic landmarks. Um, it sold out in 10 minutes. Dan. What? In Hong Kong, what? there was a 75-minute flight that they were offering that uh, circles uh, the, the the travelers around their home city, right? <laughs> so that you can snap shots of, of Hong Kong. Um, okay. Right, just right there. You're just on a plane. Get, it, get all these good pictures of Hong Kong. It's awesome. Uh, Singly, the in-flight drink service is up and running you know that that would yes that would be it's like it better be right it's basically a party bus in the sky yeah um singapore's uh tourism board has announced a couple cruises to nowhere uh they'll make zero port of calls or ports of call uh and will operate at half capacity because you know it's covid um, you know, you you sure. still want to take a cruise. You still want to get on a disease-ridden boat. You know, yeah. Um, yeah nobody's it, ever gotten it, sick on a cruise before. It's gonna be one of those moments where they're like, n- there were no uh, instances of COVID. We all have dysentery, though. So there's a good news, bad news thing happening. Um, well, Thai Airways uh, has announced their flight to nowhere. Uh, okay. That they are calling the Thai magical flying experience. Um, okay. <laughs> the, Do they sing the, songs from Aladdin to you while you're doing it? <laughs> they're gonna uh, fly um, over some of Thailand's holiest Buddhist religious sites, um, <laughs> and passengers will be reciting mantras all along the way. Oh my God. Uh, they uh, have employed the services of Dr. Chada Ching Buchan, who's a celebrity fortune teller, and uh, oh, wow. and he's going to be leading the in-flight chanting. Um, and <laughs> and you thought sitting next to a toddler sucked. 
Uh, it's going to be a three-hour flight. Uh, they're going to cover 99 sacred sites. Um, it They list off a handful of them, and I'm just like, I don't know what any of those are. I mean, maybe some of our listeners would. There's some UNESCO uh, sort of World Heritage sites uh, sure. on the list. You know, you've seen pictures of Thailand, or you've been there. You've probably, you know, seen a picture yeah, of some of these things. It doesn't feel like 35,000 feet is like the optimal viewing no, distance no 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 they are what What do they call it when you you buzz the airfield or whatever no, they're, you, they're, they're they're flying below they're the flight flying deck, huh? low on this shit. okay um yeah no. negative ghost rider 30... the pattern is full <laughs> i mean i don't know maybe they are flying high and the whole point is that the point clearly with this one is not so much seeing it up close and from a like the, the the Hong Kong flight, it's clear that they're like, you know, using like approach patterns and whatnot probably to right. like get in close to the to the city um sure. and, and to see the skyline and everything. Um with this, I think the point is to be over these sites while while, while chanting. chanting, you know. Um this because that's how the magic happens. Because that's yeah, it's the magical flying experience. <laughs> they literally <laughs> they're call calling it, it magical. magical. <laughs> it's so oh my insane. gosh i mean oh. i guess it's something to do sure <laughs> sure if you're into just, such things just trap yourself in a tube with a bunch of other possibly oh infected people God. i don't know i will say this uh i once took a sightseeing plane ride over Canyonlands national park here in utah yeah it's the only it's the best way to see that park for sure yeah but you weren't in a 747 Right? No, that's or true. Some giant Airbus threes, no. whatever you know. No, like <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, you're. Uh, yeah, you're. That that's a much better tourism <laughs> flight. Like it's that's designed for that purpose. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely, oh, definitely God. was not like yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> have fun, everybody. Go fly to your own house. Um, <laughs> I I this is a less fun story. I'm going to take us to Michigan. In the Grand Rapids area, where uh, unfortunately, uh, el- election day was uh, was was. I mean, look, I don't know about everybody else. I was expecting atrocities on this election mm-hmm. day and throughout this election season, and I haven't been disappointed. They've been out there. <laughs> People been uh, getting their uh, get you know getting all shook up i'm really glad actually that this that the the election results are being drawn out because if they had been announced night of there would have been riots i'm sure yeah Uh, Yeah. but a long drawn out process it's harder to get real real riled up about but uh, apparently in anticipation of election night some assholes decided asshole or assholes decided that they would go to the uh ava Ahavas Israel Cemetery. Oh, God. I only had to take three runs at it. Uh, in order to vandalize headstones Jesus. with the word with the word Trump and MAGA uh, in red spray paint. Wow. So if there was any that's a great look I, for them, you know. Yeah, I, exactly. I considered trying to f- trick you and tell and say that the story was about some leftists writing, you know, spray painting Biden on 
somebody's grave sites, but I didn't think, you know, it's I just know. to see if you'd believe it, but it doesn't sound anywhere near as believable as Trump being spray painted on uh, religious uh, headstones. Yeah. Yeah. Which says something. Yeah, I'm does. not going to say what it says, but it says something. Why don't you say what it says? Oh, that Trump supporters are uh, bigoted assholes. There yeah, you go. It does. It definitely says that, or at least aligned with bigoted assholes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You 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 may not be or think of yourself if you're a Trump supporter mm-hmm. as a bigot yeah. or as a uh, as as a horrible, racist, uh, awful person. <laughs> But guess what side you chose? <laughs> That's the one. Yep. Anyway, so uh, so once again, they decided to prove to to the world who they are, and that's uh, a surprise to almost zero people. Hmm. But it's still wildly disappointing. Yeah. Well, Dan, yeah, I don't know if this will lift everybody's spirits or not. Okay, um, but. Uh, last week we uh, had a guest on the show, Andrew Gold, and we Indeed. we spoke about exorcisms, right? Sure. And uh, one of the things that I believe I remember coming up in the conversation was the the fact that exorcisms are are on the rise, right? Uh, <laughs> that this is this is a like this is a new hot trend, right? Oh, that, you gotta love that, it. That that is just sweeping the world really it's gonna save the world (laughs) get just just getting out those demons i actually came across a story uh about a couple exorcisms that happened very recently here in this country dan uh Uh, the the first one that's mentioned uh in the article is took place in portland oregon uh where uh archbishop alexander sample led a procession of more than 200 people to a city park uh, this was just a few weeks ago uh, okay. to conduct an exorcism ceremony uh, in Latin uh, <laughs> uh, with the purpose of purging their community of evil. Uh, oh, the... okay. So it wasn't it wasn't just a person. They were exorcising the entire damn city. Oh, yeah, because you know the, there have been the 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 the, the um, Black the, Lives Matter yeah, protests, protests for racial justice. Um, that were, you know, mostly peaceful, but there were, you know, there was a little bit of violence and riots and whatnot, you know, and he just, because when you tell, when you, when you, when you say, Hey police, why don't you stop being brutal? Yeah. They like to get brutal about it. Exactly. And that's a great, and thank you for, for making sure that that's, that that's, uh, where the real problem was. Right. Um, but you know, he, this archbishop, uh, he had to, you know, clear out the icky, get rid of the yeah. the, the, the bad vibes that were going Did around. Did it work? I, I don't know. Um, Must have worked. <laughs> I haven't heard about violence in Portland for a minute. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe it did. Um, and coincidentally, on the very same day, uh, San Francisco Archbishop uh, Salvatore uh, Cordiglione uh, performed an exorcism outside of a Catholic church in San Rafael where protesters had um, toppled a statue of Father Junipero Serra, or Junipero Serra, who I had to look up. I didn't know who he was. Apparently, he was uh, an 18th century Spanish missionary 
who of course the Catholics love because he converted a lot of people, but those people were Native Americans and they were probably forced to do and, so. Yeah, and by and... converted, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you mean enslaved and entrapped. Yeah. Um, and Corleone also performed um, his exorcism in Latin, uh, yeah. saying with the saying that um, the reason for that was because Latin tends to be more effective against the devil uh, because he doesn't like the language of the church. <laughs> so there's that. Yes. Um, and, then, oh. and then, Dan, Dan. Good game. There, um, the article mentions the existence of the uh, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops and the fact that they have a Q&A on their website about exorcisms and so i went to this dan and okay. I, I i actually like i was just kind of scrolling through it and it turned out that it was this extensive long page there are so many questions with answers about exorcisms that i printed the whole thing out it's 12 printed pages and i ran through it this afternoon and i just wanted to like bring up some of the things because like i don't know like i think you know, there's the movie The Exorcist, right? And you sure. see these, like, exorcisms happen, and you go, well, this is really fringe, right? This this, this is this is fringe activity. This is not at the heart of Catholicism. Catholics don't believe that strongly in this absolutely crazy idea, right? Um, turns out, no. They really fucking do, and they have a Q&A page about exorcism. And the first, the first question I want to go through is, why does the Catholic, or why does the church need exorcisms? And they, according to these bishops, uh, there are instances when a person needs to be protected against the power of the devil or to be withdrawn from his spiritual dominion. At such times, the church asks publicly and authoritatively in the name of Jesus Christ for this protection or liberation through use of exorcism. And it goes through and it starts talking about different kinds of exorcism and actually um, they're, they're sort of major and minor forms of exorcism. Uh, and then they say that, that, minor exorcism is actually performed in preparation for baptism like nobody even like thinks about it right like the, right. the it's part of the the ceremony is that they really are, yes and it's not so minor exorcism is not about casting out a demon it's about sort of uh blessing the person to be sort of protected from and to rid evil from their life Right, you just got to flush the pipes. Yeah, you just got to clear it out. You're probably not possessed. We don't need the major exorcism, which is actually the casting out of the devil, right? Um, and so, um, it's so another question: When and how is an afflicted member of the faithful referred to an exorcist? Uh, it says, in it is advisable that every diocese establish a protocol to respond to inquiries made by the faithful who claim to be demonically afflicted. As part of the protocol, an assessment should occur to determine the true state of the person. Only after a thorough examination, including medical, <laughs> psychological, and psychiatric testing, might the person be referred to the exorcist for a final determination regarding demonic possession. Yes. Wow. Please leave this to the experts, essentially. Yeah. Right? This has got to be... Look, 
if 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 you're just self-diagnosing, you know, if you're just going to WebMD for demons, right. WebM demons, uh, you don't know if you really have a demon. You got to get <laughs> you got to get a pro in there to tell you if there's a real demon in you or if you're just you know making it up. Right. Um, it talks about um, major. Uh, exorcism it says the right of major exorcism is employed only when there is a case of genuine demonic possession namely when it is determined that the presence of the devil is in the body of the possessed and the devil is able to exercise dominion over the body um, and then he, there's just some really practical questions like how does a priest become an exorcist um, a priest may be appointed to the office of exorcist either on a stable basis or for a particular occasion by the diocesan uh, bishop. Uh, in oh. either case, the exorcist should work closely with and under the direction of the bishop. Um, how are exorcists trained and prepared for this ministry? <laughs> Classically, the exorcist has trained for this specialized ministry through an apprenticeship model. <laughs> Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Working under the direction of an experienced exorcist. Um, I'm a classically trained exorcist. <laughs> I don't know what your training is. Like, it's, Mine is, I'm, I'm classically it's trained. It's absolutely absurd. And if you'll indulge me just slightly more, what, what <laughs> ritual symbols are used in exorcisms? And what do they symbolize? Oh, my God. This is, I'm going to read it. It's, okay. If it says a cross, I'm going to be so mad. It says, in addition to the use of the Psalms and gospel readings and the recitation of the exorcist prayers. Right. <laughs> A series of sacred symbols is utilized in the rite of major exorcism. To begin, water is blessed and sprinkled, recalling the centrality of the new life the afflicted person received in baptism and the ultimate defeat of the devil through the salvi salvific work of Jesus Christ. Oh, salvific. Salvific. They got words. <laughs> the imposition of hands, as well as the breathing on the person's face by the exorcist. Ew. I know. <laughs> which is called exsufflation. Oh, yeah. wow. Reaffirms the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the person as a result of his or her baptism, confirming in him or her as, or confirming him or her as a temple of God. Finally, the Lord's cross is shown to the afflicted person and the sign uh, of the cross is made over uh, him or her, demonstrating the power of Christ over the devil. So basically, <laughs> yes, the exorcist, right? Like splashing some water Max around. Max von Sydow is called. <laughs> um, and then like just, it just goes on and on and on. Like this is no small issue, right? Like, <sighs> okay, they're... It's not happening all the time. It's not like it's a a, 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 a ritual that the, that every Catholic has seen performed. It's They're, not happening all the time here. Right. It's happening all the time in other parts no, of the world. No, I, I guess that's true. Um, and then one last question. I love this. Should other members of the faithful be present when an exorcism is performed? And it says, this text strongly recommends against the exorcist working in isolation. Even though in rare instances this may be unavoidable, the practice of performing an exorcism in solitude should be discouraged at all costs. Yeah, because anytime a priest is alone in a room with a person, <laughs> there's a problem. There's other there's dangers. <laughs> it could go badly. Priests cannot be unsupervised. <laughs> that should be there a rule. Oh my god. All right. Well, 
somebody should exercise the demons out of this show, but I don't know who to call. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this out with a, a, a an opportunity. I'm gonna call it an opportunity uh, for Schadenfreude. Oh, now if you folks out there are not uh, pros as we are at taking delight in the misery and sadness of others. I really can't recommend it enough. Uh, do it do it ethically, do it kindly, but uh, I'm going to tell us the story of uh, Irvin Baxter. Okay. Who, uh, he has, uh, he's, he's been a minister for a long damn time and, uh, and very much a sort of end times uh, preacher. Uh, and he... Uh, gave us a really good ex explanation on the uh, on the the John the Jim Baker show about why COVID was here, uh, and basically his explanation is that God was real real mad that people be fucking. Uh, <laughs> he he went into some stats. He dug into some stats and discovered that seven point five million couples that means 15 million people are living together unmarried in these united states oh, no. just here and he learned and he really hoped that this was not true uh that five only five percent of new brides in america are virgins <gasps> oh so sad oh he, that uh, is he, sad he obviously didn't care about husbands because boys don't count. <laughs> uh, so, so fornication was his big reason why God had uh, unleashed this virus on our land. Uh, apparently, not noticing that the rest of the world also got the virus. <laughs> anyway, uh, recently it was announced that he was infected with this virus. Oh, and. Unfortunately, being a a, a seventy five year old fat guy, he has succumbed to the disease. Oh, oh. So, uh, I guess, I mean, unless God's aim is really off, <laughs> which it always is. Homeboy was fornicating, right? <laughs> isn't that isn't that the conclusion? Because uh, I, I here is the thing, God desperately needs to work on his messaging <laughs> i mean if you're mad about sex send an std or something don't send a a you know a disease that's going to kill your grandma yeah you, you you send a disease that's killing the young folks who are out there fucking i don't god works this, uh, in mysterious ways dan yes yes just... and unfortunately we have one fewer pastors to tell us all oh about my it god i thought you were going to bring up rick joiner what about Rick Joyner? Well, you know, he said that, you know, all you have to do is pray and you won't get COVID. And then he got COVID. I didn't know Rick Joyner got COVID. <laughs> yeah. Would you, would you sort of, uh, because listeners don't know this, we don't really tell each other too much about what we're going to be talking about. Right. No. And so when, when you just gave me the little quick line to kind of like tease it for me to make sure I wasn't, I didn't have the same story or something similar. Um, I thought you were going to be bringing up Rick Joyner. Oh, I'm so happy that Rick Joyner has it. Oh, <laughs> we've guys... played his audio quite a bit on the show. If you don't recognize the name, um, yeah, but if... he's a he's a, a a real treat. Yeah, he's he's yeah. 
So, oh, you so suddenly I'm feeling much better about the spikes in COVID activity. So, <laughs> you guys, all of you listeners at home, don't be part of. Keep this. yourselves yeah. safe. Yeah. It is getting so so bad, especially Holy here in the United shit, States. No kidding. Uh, so wear your masks. Don't go out if you don't have yeah, to. I know. Keep yourself safe, so that the only people we're reporting on are these Christian assholes. Yeah, the ding dongs who just refuse. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, if you'd like to to talk to us, uh, if you want to chide me for taking pleasure in the death of other people, you can do that. You can write into us podcast at thankgodimatheist.com or call and leave us a voicemail message. The telephone number is four two four six 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 eight four four two. Stick around, guys. There is more show coming right up. Yeehaw! Hey, Frank. Dan. After that last segment, I looked up Rick Joyner's Facebook account yeah. and read and read his pinned post about how, how grateful he is for everybody's prayers that he had COVID, because I'm just literally so happy that he has COVID. <laughs> and I just want everyone to have an update. It's really hurting him. Is it? He feels awful, and I couldn't be happier. I am a terrible person. Wow, I Dan. know. But, uh, hmm. but yeah, he... Apparently, a few days ago, walking was like, you know, walking across the room was like climbing Mount Everest, he said. Oh, my God. And he's an older guy. So there you yeah. go. I guess he. I guess Trump wasn't sharing his miracle drugs with him. <laughs> miracle drug hoarder. Yeah, Trump, he, he got the best of it, didn't he? Yeah. Experimental drugs that aren't approved for yeah. anybody else to use. That are really, apparently, quite promising. And uh, Yeah some some uh some powerful uh uh what do you call them steroids yeah. that apparently make you feel like you're invincible yeah he probably took some serious risks in in that treatment right yeah um yeah but unfortunately they they didn't pan out in the way we would have hoped <laughs> <laughs> oh golly golly well dan we uh we need to listen to some audio here right we have some uh little break or uh audio break that we need to Sound yeah. clippies. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah. Look, Frank, uh, the, uh, one of Trump's most trusted spiritual advisors, at least if you ask her, <laughs> is Paula White. <laughs> uh, and she is, she has been really trying to battle the demons of the, of the, uh, of the country to make sure that Trump remains in power. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to play this clip. There were a couple clips we had to choose between. And what I want you to imagine as you listen to her in her insanity as she as she talks is and because this is true, there's just a dude walking behind her every now and then yeah. holding a book. He's just in t-shirt and jeans. No, and looks... not even jeans, Dan. He's like in shorts. Like it's seriously. Oh, he's in shorts. It's like he was like playing shorts. video games all morning and then decided to get up and walk around. Like it's like he's her. It's like he like she's his mom and she's doing her <laughs> Zoom call into work, and he's not even paying attention and he's just going back and forth to the kitchen to get more cocoa puffs. Yeah, it's except that she's amazing at the podium of a church, right? <laughs> yeah. 
she is <laughs> she is at the podium of a very big church and he is just wandering occasionally back and forth behind her anyway uh we'll we'll play the audio but i we just need you to picture that while this is happening we break and divide every demonic confederacy against the election, against America, against that who you have declared to be in the White House. We break it up in the name of Jesus. We lose confusion into every demonic confederacy directed right now at this election, directed specifically at the six states. We come against people that are working at high levels right now with demonic confederacies and secrecies and demonic plans and networks. We break it up and we command that it be exposed right now in the name of jesus <laughs> oh it's, my god the guy walking back and forth i can't get over it we'll we'll treat we'll tweet out this uh this video and and it'll be in the show notes i think but uh, honestly it's worth that you, you guys got to go check it out <laughs> she i mean what she's doing is crazy enough and plenty for us to show to play on the show but who cares because doofus is walking around behind her it's amazing i'm uh i'm so happy about it <laughs> all right well we had some folks write into us uh i i i will i will commence to reading them excellent they're they're, they're missives now um this is from kathleen hi frank and dan regarding your recent comments about atheists in leadership roles hmm. i just wanted to mention ernie chambers who is an openly atheist member of the Nebraska state legislature. Nebraska is one of only two states that has split electoral votes. Oh, we know, <laughs> Kathleen. We are intimately aware of ne Nebraska's electoral and votes. And very thankful. Yeah. Uh, as I write this, she continues, uh, we are still awaiting the final electoral tally. One of Nebraska's electoral votes has gone to Joe Biden. Yep. Uh, Nebraska Republicans attempted to do away with the state's split electoral vote system a few years back, but Ernie Chambers was instrumental in keeping it. That's Chambers great. is an eccentric and fascinating character. Years ago, he even filed a lawsuit against God. <laughs> nice. If you ever have space on your show, I think Chambers is worth a mention. Well, there you go. We mentioned it. <laughs> so thanks, Kathleen, for writing in. That's kind of amazing. Um... Taylor wrote into us, Hello, darling Franken, dear Dan. Aww. I was listening to your spooky Halloween episode this morning <laughs> and was struck by Frank's first story about witches on the rise in the U.S. Oh, yeah. I am 25 and a woman living in Salt Lake City, hmm. and I've noticed quite a few women in my age group turning over to Wicca or at least being, quote, witchy bitchy, real quote. <laughs> My bestie grew up Jewish, but gave it up a, uh, a year or two ago. We never explicitly talked about our beliefs, but she did mention dropping the whole kosher thing and nixing the extra holidays with her folks. I honestly thought she was an atheist until I realized when she, until recently when she bought a tarot deck. She has done a few readings for me, and I find it fun in the same way that I find horoscopes and fortunes from Shinto shrines fun, you know, without thinking too hard about it. And maybe with a little blasphemy in my heart. But today she told me she has performed a spell to protect me during a minor surgery I'm having tomorrow. Oh. And that she thinks protection from the gods can't hurt anything. 
<laughs> she also told me how her friends, her friend thinks one of the Wiccan gods brought her spouse to her through divine intervention thanks to a spell she had cast as well. My, friends, my friend refers to herself as, and her sister as witchy sisters, but I always thought she was just messing around. <laughs> Sounds like witches be cray in Utah. Yeah. And I just traded my passively Jewish friend for a preachy Wicca one. <laughs> it honestly feels like having a Mormon friend, <laughs> except the thoughts and prayers. It, inse except instead of thoughts and prayers, it's spells and smudging. <laughs> Love you guys, Taylor. Oh, smudging. No. Oh, golly. There are worse things in the world than smudging. Uh, uh, I cannot stand the smell of burnt sage. Oh, that's right. I just hate it. I forgot that you hate that smell. I don't mind the smell at all. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's funny. That'll happen. <laughs> yeah. I, did I tell you about the conversation I had? I went into the, there's a, a store, a witchy store here in Salt Lake City mm. called, I, I think it's called Crone's Hollow or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know where that's at. Yeah. And I went in there just to check it out uh, a little while ago and her overheard the store, uh, I assume the owner, talking to a patron about how, uh, about smudging. Oh, yeah. And about how people just don't understand that, like, that is just the nuclear option. You don't want to smudge. It just clears everything out. Good, good spirits and bad. <laughs> you don't want to just smudge everything because... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just thought it was a it was a fun oh, little combo. That's great. All right, this is from Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay writes, "Hey guys, I wanted to let y'all know that here in Alabama, uh, us gay atheists have taken trunk or treat. Uh, though we didn't do it this year because of COVID, we use it as an opportunity to allow kids to dress as they want as they want without judgment. We may be sheltering them from the rest of the hatred here." It's okay to allow them to be kids a little bit longer. Okay. I'm I'm with you, Lindsay. I, I like the idea of like a gay trunk or treat where you like the kids can be whatever they want to be without other parents like getting judgy about it yeah. and making them yeah, feel bad. Cute. Did we say something oh, about I'm, trunk or treat? Like I don't know. I did. I hate trunk or treat. I think it's evil. <laughs> What? I think it, I, th I think it ruins the whole holiday. Aww. So probably I did say something about it. But with a, but, with a with a purpose like that, I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm going to give that one a total pass because right. because uh, kids need to be able to like not fret if they want to gender bend a little bit or if they want to just have some fun. Yeah. With ho the holiday without people being dicks. So all right, I'm going to give it a pass. Well, do we have anybody to thank? We do, Dan. We have a new patron on Patreon um, who is coming in at the teacher level, Dan. Wonderful. Paul. Oh, Paul. Welcome. Blessed be Thank you, Paul. Well done. Um, you now have the ironic priesthood. Yeah. How <laughs> ironic. How, how lucky are you? And what Paul did that everybody could do if they wanted to. Uh, he went on over to thankgodimatheist.com, clicked on the support tab, and uh, followed all over to Patreon and our, our campaign. So that's wonderful. Thank it's you so much, It's easy Paul. to do. It's so simple. If you like the show, why not? Yeah. Uh, you've got all that extra cash lying around. Just, just uh, <laughs> give some of it to us. It doesn't hurt. 
I mean, unless it does, in which case, don't worry. This show's free. Yeah. You're cool. Um, and then, as always, uh, we have our top donor, our Lord and Savior, Davis. Amazing. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Well, Frank. Yes, Dan. Uh, I know that we haven't been mentioning it uh, the whole episode, <laughs> but uh, there has been, uh, there's an election, and we still don't know uh, oh, the results. Yeah. Um, and we're re- but, uh, yeah. We, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, we are a couple days prior or uh, to the, to, 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 we're yeah, recording yeah. a couple days before listeners the listeners know will hear the answers. The show. Yeah. Hopefully they know answers. Uh, but uh, another person who doesn't currently know the answers, but has a lot of other answers, <laughs> is one Mr. Andrew Seidel from the Fuffer, one of our favorite organizations, the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Andrew, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me on, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, you are uh, a constitutional lawyer. Mm-hmm. You are an author. Mm-hmm. You're a a, a a a man of the world, <laughs> uh, and we needed to have you on here. We we I, I, we want to talk to you about a whole lot of different things. Okay. First off, <laughs> you're in Wisconsin. You guys pulled it out. You you managed you, in a squeaker. You managed to turn the the state blue. Uh, well done there. Yeah, the beating heart of democracy up here in Wisconsin. It was um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been interesting. You know, I drove around. I drove up kind of north in the state out into the country uh to go camping a couple weekends ago um right after the amy coney barrett fiasco finished uh and get like a little bit Mm. of a break and uh i was blown away by how many trump signs uh there were out there um so i knew i knew it was gonna be closer than the the double digit polls were suggesting uh because because anecdotal evidence obviously is more important than data is much well these days uh <laughs> yeah. polls don't mean anything yeah, more than I meant anecdotes, that as a so. joke but yeah it turns out it's true <laughs> good lord uh you so uh yeah let's talk a little bit first of all about uh about you said you mentioned the amy coney barrett thing mm-hmm. the supreme court is now peopled with uh, a whole lot of catholics Yes. Uh, one with a very special, like that added special sauce of her own little cult that she's a part of. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts? Are, are things? Everybody seems to be doomsaying. We're all going to go backwards. Everybody's rights are going to be taken away. Where are you at? I mean, that's accurate. Um, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah. this is, I mean, this is not a fair court. This is not yeah. an impartial court. This this is a Catholic court. This is a Republican yeah. court. Three of the justices on this court were on the team that litigated Bush versus Gore. Um, Barrett, Kavanaugh, and Roberts. Alito is more conservative than all of them. Uh, Thomas is is also more conservative than all of them and more conservative than Alito. And his wife is a crazy conservative who posts Soros memes on her Facebook. Uh, Gorsuch Uh, sits in a seat that was stolen for political reasons. So, I mean, this, this court doesn't have a legitimacy problem. This court is illegitimate. Uh, it's it's a wing of the Republican Party, and it's making decisions like it. Kavanaugh, sit with this. Just just Kavanaugh. <laughs> Brett Canabier is the median justice in terms of ideology on the Supreme Court. Right Jesus now. Christ! Don't wow. 
I, I thought Halloween was over, but now you're spooking me. Yeah. You're, that's, oh, that's a scary thought right there. Yeah, I mean, and the lower courts are as bad. Uh, I mean, this is something that really everybody needs to understand. Our courts are broken. They, they're they fucked, and we have to unfuck the courts. Yeah, how does that work? How is there a path to doing that? Well, it, it got uh, it's gonna be, it's a much narrower, much more difficult path um, after this election. Uh, I mean, really, you need you need a president and senate to be able to agree to do that. And I don't think uh, with the outcome of this election that uh, we're going to see that it looks mm. like it might hinge yeah. on two Georgia special elections, which as we are talking, looks like there are going to be two special elections there. Hmm. Um, yeah. And so you could get a 50, 50 tie with uh, Kamala Harris, then breaking the tie, which would give you the opportunity to do that. Uh, but they, you have to be bold about going yeah. and, and really striking out for serious judicial reform. Hmm. Is the, is the answer just putting 20 or 30 more people on the Supreme Court? Is that, yeah, I mean, is you that know, how you, we do you it? joke about that. I, I, I think that is, is the way to... I think the entire federal judiciary should double in size. And that, should, that mm. honestly, that need to happen before this. Um, there's been a reluctance to expand the courts because uh, for political reasons. And now McConnell right. and, and Trump have packed the courts. Um, I mean, cases now take three or four, sometimes five years to get to the end. And, 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 and that's wrong. I mean, justice delayed is justice denied and we so that's we, true I, so I, mean, I think we needed to do something like that anyway and and there are there are a lot of um proposals out there for fixing the court some of them say two justices some of them say four justices i think we need I, I, there needs to be and i hesitate to use the word uh punitive to describe <clears throat> what needs to happen but right now mcconnell stopped everything to help pack the courts i mean he did he stopped right. everything in the last two years of obama's administration held everything open and then packed it with trump and and i mean they didn't pass covid relief so yeah. they, had, they, they didn't pass the second covid relief package because they were too busy spending their political capital uh jamming amy coney barrett on the court and so there needs to be future generations of lawmakers and legislators need to understand that that doesn't pay that you don't get to do that and risk the american public and our health and our safety and have the result come out the way you want so i think i think in in fairness though i will say this in fairness to mcconnell if you dramatically shrink the population then it won't take as much time to get through the court system <laughs> this is true this is true. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if that that's where his head's at, but you're absolutely, you're, you, no, you, you can't argue with that like logic. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so to me, I mean, that, that's, that's just one small reason to do that. Another, another reason is since 2006, I mean, every court case on anything that people might call like a culture war type issue uh, has been directed at one justice. Uh, so it was Anthony Kennedy first, mm. and then Justice right. John Roberts uh, lately until Barrett was put on the court. And I mean, that's wrong, right? Like it shouldn't be that you know how those are going to come out. So, I mean, I'm all for having a court with 21 people on it. Who cares? There's no, right. there's no reason to have it limited to a small number of people. Uh, and if you want to say, well, then you're just opening this up for like a tit for tat. And then when the Republicans gain power, they're going to do, do it fine. Let them add another yeah. 15 to the court and everybody's power is diluted even more. 
who cares what is it what does it matter why do we there's no special significance in having nine or 11 or 13 members on the court let's yeah let's put as many on there as we can let, let me pitch hmm. this i don't think i've ever heard anybody pitching this idea how about this two people on the court you shrink it it's, it's just sotomayor and uh kagan and that's it i mean i'm, I'm all for that sotomayor is fantastic uh, so the problem with that and the problem with the, the term limit solutions uh is in the constitution itself mm. so article one of the constitution is congress and that, that's right. most of the document 52 percent of the words in the document or Congress. Article two is the executive of the presidency, uh, about 23% of the words in the document uh, are dealing with that. So that, that's three quarters of the document right there are those two. The judiciary is article three and only about 8% of the words in the entire document deal with what the federal judiciary is and should look like. And one of the, the phrases in there that is that, is that ju judges sit for during good behavior. And that's where we've interpreted uh, the lifetime appointment to be. They're on the mm. court for life unless they do something wrong or they decide they want to retire. Mm. So if you're talking about like term limits, you run into the language of the Constitution itself. And if you talk about removing justices from the court, you run into the language of the Constitution itself, which says that they get to stay there during good behavior. You have a better argument for shrinking the court than you do for something like term limits. I don't. So the reason I don't think term limits are a solution is because then you get into the court itself deciding whether or not a term limit is constitutional. Hmm, and right. they're not going to say, yes, it's constitutional. We all of a sudden now don't have jobs. And uh, term limits... <laughs> Like lifetime appointments are actually a good idea. Um, are they? They are. I don't. I don't think I've heard pe people uh, making that claim yeah. before. Tell me. T hit me with that. They're a good idea because it guarantees the independence of the judiciary and it it insulates them in a way that you you wouldn't otherwise see. I mean, imagine if you knew you were going to sit on the court for ten years, and there's a decision like Bush versus Gore or. Trump versus Biden that's going to come up before you, you might be relying on getting a job when you leave on the outcome of that opinion. Um, and this is this right. is why it was structured that way when in the founding document, it's meant to be an, a check and a balance. It's meant to be a measure of judicial independence. The problem isn't that it's lifetime appointments. It's that we're putting people on the court who are babies in terms of their judicial right. experience who are 42 44 48 years old and then they're on the court for 40 years because we're also living so much longer hmm. right yeah that's true when that uh when that little document was written nobody was anticipating nonagenarians on the court well and, and they were people who were getting on the court were just significantly older it was the, it was for the most part it was the end of their legal career and it wasn't something that people wanted to do like like the right. like people, the first few just chief justices were only on the court for like a couple of years they didn't they didn't nobody wanted this job it wasn't it, the court didn't have really until our third chief justice john marshall sort of asserted the power of the court in marbury versus madison this wasn't a role that people thought was um valuable or that or contributed right. that much to to the running of the government um so hmm. different times i mean it it's like it's like you've studied this constitution thing a little bit <laughs> is what it sounds a little like. bit uh, yeah i'll just a touch 
<laughs> um, I, 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 speaking of that, I want to talk about your book. We wanted to have you on when it very first came out. It didn't work out because uh, you, I don't know, got super fucking busy. <laughs> um, but uh, tell us about your book. Uh, it, you, it, it's, it's been uh, you. You've at least made waves uh, among the, uh, the 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 conservative Christian community you've you've been burned <laughs> yes yes i've i've literally been burned uh made flames i think might be a better way to say it um that's pretty exciting yeah so uh what was his name i can never remember his name um greg yes. Locke is that the one yes uh greg Locke, who's this crazy conservative trumpian preacher out of tennessee um he and i got into it a little bit on twitter about the freedom from religion foundations uh ronald reagan ad uh that, that runs on tv oh right and um, I I don't remember how it exactly had happened, but I, I ended up saying like, well, I'll send you a copy of my book. And um, I wrote him a little inscription in the front of it. And it was, I mean, it was meant to be cheeky, but it was also meant meant to be <laughs> sincere. Um, and I sent him a copy and he, he posted a video. He got out a blowtorch and posted a video of him self-lighting it on fire. Um, I love it. And he obviously didn't read the book. He did read the description on camera, which, uh, I mean, that was, that was something. Um, well, how would, okay. So I don't want to hear Greg Locke <laughs> describe your book, but what is, why don't you describe it? Yeah. Your book? I mean, I, this is the founding myth. Why Christian nationalism is on America. Exactly. And I mean, the, the question that I'm asking really is, do we have a government of the people for the people and by the people? Or is ours a government of the Christians for the Christians and by the Christians? Because that's and by Jesus. by Jesus. I mean, this is this is the battle that we are in right now. We are America is right. in a desperate fight against Christian nationalism, and it's this political theology that is this. It's an existential threat to our republic. Uh, so that that's why I wrote the founding myth, and I really wanted to do something different with the book. I wanted to go someplace new. Because um, Christian nationalism, the idea, right, that we're founded as a Christian nation, that we're built on Judeo-Christian principles, that's not a scholarly debate. And that's the way it's been treated. It, it's act Yeah, you're tr that's true. I have seen that come up in, uh, in zones that it definitely doesn't belong. I've seen that uh, claim be made in academia where, where it shouldn't be taken seriously. No, and I mean, it really is... It's not just the idea that we've strayed from our foundations and we have to get back to our godly roots. It's a sinister exclusionary movement. And, and the goal is to redefine America according to the Christian nationalist identity and then to reshape our law accordingly. And, yeah. and Christian nationalism is the reason that Donald Trump is president. I mean, the best predictor of a Trump voter in 2016 was thinking that the United States was founded as a Christian nation. Um, hmm. Some of some of the early numbers that I've been seeing from this week suggest that Christian nationalism played just as much of a role in this election as it did in previous ones. Um, so, so what I wanted to do in the book was really assault and destroy this identity because it's 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 built on 
this these common lies and myths that that we and you and everybody listening to this has heard time after time after time that we're one nation under god in god we trust the declaration of independence it references the christian god four times that the founders were all evangelical christians that they prayed at the constitutional convention that george washington knelt in the snow at valley forge and prayed and that all of our laws are based on the ten commandments right all of those are wrong but what all, <laughs> i know it's crazy How dare i you? know and but without that commonwealth of lies and myths their identity begins to wither and fade and so that was really what i wanted to do in the book i didn't want to simply uh i didn't want to just another refutation of the idea that we're founded as a christian nation i wanted to go deeper i want right. to do something we, more. well okay so you want to go deeper i get mm. it but but let's be honest when has christian nationalism ever gone wrong <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, good. I mean, good question. Let's well, let's just stick with the Trump administration. I mean, you got the Muslim ban. Oh, okay. That's 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 Christian nationalism writ large. Uh, the child separation right. policy at the border, ripping kids out of the loving arms of their parents and throwing them in cages. Uh, Jeff Sessions justified that by citing the Bible, by citing Romans thirteen. That's true. He did. I forgot he that. Did. That's crazy. He did. He learned that in the white house bible study incidentally romans 13 was the same bible verse that was super popular uh with preachers uh in britain at the time that america uh, was declaring its independence to say that we couldn't declare that independence <laughs> no -uh. mm -hmm. the bible mm -hmm. uh let's see what else opposition to lgbtq equality uh opposition to reproductive sure. rights uh you know all those kind of things are are you can really trace back to Christian nationalism. It, it, it has roots um, and tendrils and fingers in so many different just evil Republican pies. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it it's like nobody noticed <laughs> that Hitler's belt buckles said Gott mit uns. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? God is with us. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like it's like nobody paid attention to the last time someone went full Christian nationalist. Yeah. Uh, and and like hate stoking the way it's it doesn't go great <laughs> when people do that. No, it doesn't. And and this is sort of so, I mean, that, that kind of gets to the heart of the book. Right. Like so the, the, I guess the central question I asked really is, did Judeo-Christian principles positively influence the founding of the United States? Hmm. And the answer is no, they didn't. We weren't founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And it's actually a good thing because yeah. those principles, and especially ones that are central to Christian nationalism, they're, they're thoroughly opposed to the principles on which the United States was built. So, right. I mean, so that, that, that's, the, that's the heart of the argument. I argue that the two systems, that America, the founding American values and the values of Christianity and Judeo-Christianity, they differ and conflict to such a degree that, to put it bluntly, Christianity is un-American. So yeah. that's the argument that I make. It's a new argument. It's not one that people have heard. America will never be a Christian nation because the moment it becomes a Christian nation, it will cease to be America. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's... It seems... Okay, from our perspective, that seems obvious. Uh, it seems like... The whole point of America was a government that is secular so that everyone can practice whatever religion they want or need to practice. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that seems pretty obvious from, you know, I don't know, the language of the founding documents, 
the writings of the people who crafted them, all of that sort of thing. How, how are people justifying this alternative? I mean, obviously, David Barton is one of our country's great historians, <laughs> but it does seem like I don't get how how they're justifying their position. Well, are they just lying? Yeah, I mean, a big chunk of it is bad history. And, and also a big chunk of it is that we've our side has never done a good job of pushing back on it. Um, so like previous books written about whether or not we're a Christian nation, they, they've offered this gentle correction to the Christian. Nationalists. <laughs> you know, he, guys, this is what history actually tells us. Here's what the founding fathers actually meant. And here's what they actually said. But they've kind of left it at that. Right. And unfortunately, that's not enough, right? Like facts, this is sad to say, are not enough. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a President Trump, right? So pointing right. out errors is insufficient. So so this book does that, but then I also went on the offensive. This book is an assault on the Christian nationalist identity. Not only are the Christian nationalists wrong, their beliefs and identity run counter to the ideals on which this nation was founded. They are fundamentally un-American. Mm. Well, if there's any time in history that we could see that, it's looking at a bunch of people today, as the day, as in the day that we're recording this, marching around with signs that say, or, or chanting, stop the vote. Yeah, it's unreal. Like, and count the vote, I, right? I, like, it depends on where... And, right, <laughs> yeah. De depending on where you yeah. are. Like, how, how can you think that you're being a good American if your whole goal is, if this doesn't go my way, silence the rest of the Americans. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there's no way to square that. It is a naked power grab. Mm. Oh, well, I feel better <laughs> about my country. <laughs> I mean, look, there are, re oh, are reasons, you know, you, you touched on this just a minute ago. Like, a lot of what is in the Constitution, there's a lot of bad stuff in the Constitution, the Electoral College, for one, which we're seeing the results of right now. Like, there's a four million vote gap between the front runner and the second place finisher in the presidential election. And we're all still wondering, gee, is the guy with four million more votes going to win or not? I don't know. Um, right. Uh, I mean, and that's a relic of slavery. I mean, there's this this devil's bargain that was made in the constitution with slavery but there's a few things in there that are really impressive and they tend to be the things that are our secular heritage right so christian nationalists have persuaded too many americans to abandon our heritage to spurn those secular foundations in favor of their myth but america invented the separation of state and church that is right. an american original so i mean the idea was hmm. Uh, was born in the Enlightenment, but it was, was first implemented in the American experiment. Hmm. I, I I hate to call you on this, no. but the phrase "separation of church and state" never appears in the Constitution. Yeah. You're wrong. Checkmate. Yeah, I win. Yeah, I know. I know. That's a, not something I've ever heard before, though. <laughs> um. <laughs> but, but I mean, oh my but, gosh. I mean, and to take another example too, right? Like, we the people. That that uh -huh. was a first. Those words are, are poetic, but they also they mean so much more. That this was the first time in human history where the power to govern was cited, situated in people from the bottom up, not from the top down, right. not from a deity saying this person is the chosen one who's going to govern all of you. Instead, we get to choose who's going to govern us. I mean, and those two things 
are, are I mean, those, those are our sec, that's our secular heritage, and they stem from the secularism imbued in that document. The same thing with the religious test clause that's in Article Six, banning religious tests for public office. That was a first. And these are the things hmm. that were the true American contribution to humanity and political science, and all of them are about the secular character of our government. First Constitution, not to mention a God at all. Yeah, hmm. uh, yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, Andrew Seidel, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, people can just get your book sort of wherever you get books am i right yeah wherever you get books um bookshop.org is a great place if you want to support your local independent bookstores um if people want to sign copies since i'm not able to be out on tour if you order it through ffrf.org through the ffrf website you can just leave a little note in the checkout and say you want a signed copy and i'll sign it hmm. and uh, it'll get sent to nice. awesome. yeah wow that's great yeah. uh yeah definitely go out and check this thing is legit folks I mean, we're talking uh four and a half stars on goodreads this is a a good book this isn't one of those crappy books that we're always <laughs> pitching to people so get out there and uh and and buy this book support uh your local uh constitutional lawyer and uh and and thanks so much for coming on andrew we appreciate it it was my pleasure gents thank you Well, if you'd like to write into us, please feel free to do so. Our uh, email address is podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Or call and leave us a voicemail message. The telephone number is 424-666-8442. And go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Atheist, and click the like button. And while you're there, search for the TGIA Members Only Lounge and request to join. It is a closed group, but we will let you in. Also, find us on Twitter at TGI Atheist. And if you like what you hear here on the show, uh, please think about supporting us. Uh, you can do so uh, by going to thankgodimatheist.com and clicking on the support tab. Yeah, that'd be a nice thing to do. Hey, thanks so much to the Red Rock Hot Club for the use of their music. And a big thanks to Gordon Johnston for the use of his music. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.